My name's Peter and lead pastor here at City Harvest. And if you uh, are here for the very first time, I want to welcome you. And, um, you know, I would say that we're doing things a little different today, but we actually try to do, end up doing things a little different every Sunday. And that's because we pray into what we think God wants to do and we try to prepare for that. But um, we also come with open hands and let him just do what he wants to do. If you thought the projectionist was doing a bad job at the beginning of the gathering because the words weren't up on the wall, that's because no one knew that we were going to be singing those songs. Um, So we're just kind of going with the flow. But you know what? If you've uh, ever been going to church since you were younger or for a little while, I don't think any of us are coming here today because we want to play church. None of us are coming here. I don't believe you came in here because you wanted to go through the motions. We want an encounter with the living God. We want him to come and change us. We want him to come and intervene in our lives. We want him to come and truly mold us. Now it's painful to let go of things. It's painful to give things up and to open up our hands. We, we each usually want to hold like, oh, no, you know, I, I can't let go of that one. But on the other hand, there's this other side of us that's crying out, Lord, I can't do this on my own. Would you come and intervene? The thing is, is that typically where we want him to come and intervene, something in there he's asking us to let go of. And he really can't come in and intervene until we open up our hand and let go of something. Because this thing that we're holding on to that sometimes, like I already said, that we think is good. And because it's good, it must be God. We hold on to it. Then it is the thing that sometimes gets in the way of what he's wanting to do. We've been on a series called Radical Living. And really, it's beyond a series. It's what we want to be. We want to be a people that live radically for Jesus. Where we really allow him to come and change us. That we aren't just... Christians, because one day we, we went in and, and um, we decided to start attending a church, but where we really allow God to come and change us, to mold us, to make us what he's called us to be. And um, we put up those two uh, scriptures, Caleb, the Deuteronomy, I think it's the third slide. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 40, it says, If you obey all the decrees and commands I am giving you today, all will be well with you and your children. I am giving you these instructions so you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you for all all time. That land for you and I is our destiny. It's our future. It's what he's called us to And he wants us to enjoy a long life in our future. That is actually what he wants for you and I. He's not wanting us to be miserable because we had to give up our favorite toys or our favorite whatever it could be. He wants us to enjoy a long life in our future. Chapter 10, verse 13. And you must always obey the Lord's commands And decrees that I am giving you today for what? For our own good. Now, what we're looking at with being radical is that many times what we see when we hear about the law or the Ten Commandments, 
Um, how many of you like the first thing when you hear Ten Commandments, you think rules? Okay. Uh, let's just keep going with questions and hand raising because it's fun. How many of you are rule people? You enjoy rules because they, they provide safety. And how many of you think rules are of the devil because God made you to be a free bird and you're supposed to just be able to do whatever? And how many of you think those people are unruly and they need structure in their life? And when you, okay, we can keep going. How many of you think those people are stuffed up and have no fun and need a break free and go enjoy life one day? Okay, well, God's somewhere in the middle. Now that you guys are all enemies. <laughs> but a lot of times what we can do is we can look at these things and we can see them as holding us back. You know, examples of radical living would be Sabbath. Learning how to rest and delight. Learning how to let go of doing things in our own strength and enjoying just resting in the presence of God and letting go and trusting that he's going to come and make a way. Loving one another, tithing and giving, Joy, not just a happy smile, but actual internal joy that in spite of what's going on in our life, he is still good. Conversations with God, prayer, that's like AKA talking to an invisible friend. It sounds crazy, but it's radical because God is in it and he wants to talk back to you. Surrender, letting go, forgiveness, being a witness, telling others his story, what he's done in and through each one of us. Waiting, slowing down after you get the what, slowing down and waiting for Holy Spirit to give you the when and to give you the how, being patient, hospitality, inviting those different, radical hospitality, inviting those different than you. That's what the Good Samaritan did. The last person in the world that should have helped that other man, but invited him in and cared for him. Radical hospitality, inviting that neighbor over that you can't stand, inviting someone that you would never have into your home because you think they would corrupt your home if they ever walked in, that the whole house would go up in flames, inviting them in and loving them. Oh, here's a, here's a real freaky one. Baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Ooh, suspenseful. I'm not going to do a hand raising on your opinions on that one. All these things are radical. But here's the thing is we've allowed culture to shape our opinion of them. We've allowed what other people have done, maybe in the way that they've abused those things, they've distorted them, or they've, they've handled them wrongly to then change our own opinion of it. And I don't want to be associated with this group over here and so I've, using the phrase, I don't know, is there a better phrase for throwing the baby out with the bathwater? There probably is. Let me know, and then I'll use that one. But for now, we're going to use that one, but no, I don't mean in a negative way. But that idea that we get rid of all this stuff because of the way we watch someone else handle it, and yet there's truth in it, and there's something in it where God has called us to be radical. We have to embrace who God has called us to be. And so as we continue to abide, which is one of the things we're focusing on this year, we want to allow in that place of abiding, allow Holy Spirit to come and to challenge us and to challenge our thinking. 
In Matthew chapter 5, you can turn there. Jesus, this is an extremely long message that Jesus preached. And I just want to give a quick overview of it. So he has just gone up and he's prayed and he came out of his prayer time and he called his 12 disciples and he said, hey, I want you guys to follow me. This is called the Sermon on the Mount. Starts with what you would know as the Beatitudes. Then he goes into teaching about salt and light. Then he goes into teaching about the law. Teaching about anger. Teaching about adultery. Teaching about divorce, teaching about vows, teaching about revenge, teaching about loving your enemies, teaching about giving to the needy, teaching about prayer and fasting, teaching about money and possessions, do not judge others, effective prayer, the golden rule, the narrow gate, the tree and its fruit, true disciples, building on a solid foundation. So here he is, he's, he's really beginning his ministry, he's called together his team and he said, here are these, these 12 that are going to follow me closely. He has all these people and he's giving this massive message. Now, we, we know Jesus as grace. He came and he always began with love. Every time, I believe if I called you guys all up here one by one and gave you the mic and asked you, why have you chosen to follow Jesus Christ? Most likely, I would say the absolute vast majority of you would start by saying how he met you in an attitude of love. In the midst of you doing your life, he came to you in love and compassion. From that place of love and compassion, there was forgiveness. And then he started calling you to respond to his love and compassion with allowing your life to be changed. And allowing him to come and intervene. And that's what he's, he's doing here is he is now calling them, if you want to be my disciple, this is what it looks like. And you and I are called to be his disciples. It's radical. It's crazy. But every single one of us is called to be his disciple. Now, in the American church, and I'm going to throw us in this basket to some extent, but we kind of have a problem. Because a lot of people are leaving the church and we come up with all these reasons why and it usually has to do with them and their attitudes. But I believe a lot of it has to do with their leaving because we're leaving them feeling empty. Because we've spent a lot of time trying to encourage, we've spent a lot of time trying to build friendships and to some extent we've gotten away, away from reading what scripture says and saying, we got to change this. Now the hope is, can we do that in love? Can we do that from a place of humility? But a lot of times because it's scary, and I will say this for myself, honestly, I've, I fall into this. It is scary to, you know, it's a lot easier to get up here and say, Jesus loves you. And let's just talk about how good that feels and he's here to take away your burdens and he's here for this. But there's another part of it where God has called us to change our lives. He's called us to surrender ourselves. He's called us to let go. And 
But because, well, I'm scared. What if you get up in the middle of my message when I'm saying you're supposed to surrender? And then, you know, am I going to see that as rejection on me? And we get into all these head games when really we got to preach the word. Because the word of God, there's truth in it. And you must always, not sometimes, not when you need something, always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for what? For your own good. Do we really believe it's for our own good? Or do we think he's just some control freak up in the sky Kind of like a minion movie or something like that with a control panel. And he's just, he has these guidelines because he just wants this to be miserable. Or do we believe that he's really there to be with us? We got to begin to open scripture and look at what it says. So our lives aren't as fruitful as we think they should be. If you're like me, there's times when my life hasn't been as fruitful as I think it should be. Maybe it's not as peaceful as the Bible says it should be. I read scripture and my life isn't lining up. Many times where we go when that happens is we're like, well, so then is the word true? It says I should be bearing fruit. It says that I should be experiencing peace. But what we're not looking at is that we're not obeying the instructions and we're not following the guidelines that God laid down for us and that he called us to do because we see them as too restrictive or we see them as Old Testament. Anybody here ever, my hands up, I'm gonna actually put both hands up, ever feel like the Bible can be restrictive? Anybody in that camp? Okay. A couple of us, some of you just see it as a free book. Cool. Um, Mark, I have a little bit of an echo that's kind of distracting me. I'm sorry. Is that better? That's what we're looking for. Okay. Jesus. Here's the thing. I believe we want blessing without obedience. We want freedom without sacrifice. We want hope without trust and we want deliverance without faith because obedience, sacrifice, trust, and faith cost us. We have to let go of things to have those in our life. So we don't want to give up some of those things, but we still want the blessing. We still want to experience the freedom. We still want to hold on to the hope. And we still want to believe in the deliverance. But we're scared of the obedience, the sacrifice, the trust in the faith. And then we end up feeling empty because we're not experiencing the thriving, fruitful life that God has called us to. But we've been avoiding the instructions. And he's calling us to instructions. But here's the good news. Okay. We need good news, right? You with me on that? Number one, we got the cross. Jesus already paid the penalty for our mistakes. We got to accept that. We got to hold on to it. 
I've gone through this before where I've made mistakes and man, there's somewhere I had no problem believing that Jesus came and washed them away. There are a couple that I still struggle to believe that he is bigger than those mistakes. And I allow the weight of those things to, to rest on me. And even some 30 years after or 20 years after, I still carry it around. And he's still saying, Pete, I took the key and I unlocked it. You are not bound to that anymore. And you're still holding onto the chain. You're the one that's dragging it along. And he's like, I, I loosed you. You're not locked to it. Let go of it and walk in freedom. But he also calls us to allow him to come and change us from the inside out. So let's look at Jesus and the law. Matthew chapter five, verse 17 through 20. I'm sorry, I didn't ask. Does anybody, we're going to open our Bibles right now. Does anybody need a Bible? The ushers have some. If you need one, will you just raise your hand so that you can turn there and you can read along? Jesus in the law. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I went to the dollar store and yes, I am, I'm all in. I'm all in <laughs> to the youth. I'm sorry. I'm officially old. You're saying I'm glad you finally realized it. But for a long time, I felt like you and I were tight and I'm actually now joining the old people's club. But I was finding myself up here reading and always squinting. And then my eyebrows make me look ticked off and it just wasn't working. Matthew chapter five, verse 17 through 20. It says, don't misunderstand. This is Jesus talking. Don't understand, misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophet. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same. You will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. There in verse 17, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Jesus did not come to get rid of them. He did come to, to put them back on the right track. Many, many of the laws, many of the, the commandments have been distorted. A whole bunch of, over time, legalism had come into it. And it had actually gotten away from a place of those things coming to bring you and I life. And or those things coming to change our heart. And it became a thing of works. Well, if I can walk in and I can bring my offering and make sure that 
I do it in a way where you guys all notice and I place it here. If I can, when everyone's looking, go and, and help my brother or, you know, well, I can walk by litter, but if I notice that there's a crowd out, I'm going to pick up litter. If I don't see anyone from my church and I'm just going to leave my shopping cart in the middle of the, of the driveway. But if I look around and, and Jerry just had said hi to me, it's like, oh shoot, I got to push this thing all the way back and put it in there today. If we see somebody struggling and it's like, oh, there's somebody, you know, I, I need it became a performance and it became something where we, where we did things about more the outer appearance than the inward. And he's coming and he's saying, I, I didn't, I didn't come to get rid of it. If that's why you thought I came was to get rid of these things. No, because there's truth in them. They are there so that you and I would live a long, happy, fulfilled, thriving life where they become bondage is when we think that that's what our salvation is in and it becomes bondage because then we're continuing striving and doing things thinking I need to do it more, I need to do it faster, I need to do it better and somehow I'm going to earn it. But Jesus is saying no, that's not what it's in. And he's coming to bring it back to the original purpose because the original purpose is that life would come through us following God's commandments. We asked this a couple weeks ago, but how many of you guys would agree that your life is more peaceful and simpler when you're not lying to other people? Man, I can think of so many times in my life where I lied as an initial response, thinking that I was going to get out of something, and it just complicated it. And guess what I thought was going to be the best way then to deal with that complicated issue? To lie again. And it just gets worse, and it gets worse. There is truth in what God has asked us to do. I don't know if you've ever tried to practice Sabbath, not as an legalistic thing, but to find rest and delight. It's amazing what takes place when we follow what he's asking us to do. In verse 18, he says, I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. One of the things that its purpose was to do was to confront what's inside of us. It was to deal with things inside of us that you and I want to be God. We do because we want to make our own decisions. We want things to be about our kingdom for ourselves. We live for self. We react. What is it when it's telling us not to murder or hate? That's a reaction. When it's telling us not to covet or to, to steal or to take from others, those things are reactions. Verse 20, but I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, how can you and I be more righteous than the teachers of religious law? You ever thought about that? Like, what is he asking us to do? I mean, these people started when they were really young. 
and started memorizing a lot of scripture. Their whole job was just devoted to studying scripture and to to doing things with sacrifices and all these elements. What he's saying is it can't just be on the outside. It has to be inside. That's becoming more righteous. Is do, are we going to allow God to come and change you and I from the inside? It's like the song we sang about breaking down the idols. Lord, you come and be the center of my life. God, you rise up. So we're looking at these things and we're kind of going through, we've been talking about Sabbath for a couple weeks and talking about learning to find rest, something that a lot of people put off. I was actually in a pastor's group here this last summer where another leader was talking about the Sabbath. And if you at all talk about it, it is absolute, complete legalism. You know, it is. If your heart goes there, but it also is for our benefit. And it's so you and I can live a thriving long life in the purpose that God has called us to. So are so many of those other things that I listed. One of the ones that we're focusing on now is giving, becoming radical givers. Man, it's one of the scariest things as a, as a pastor to talk about. How many of you would like to come up here and talk about giving? Anybody? Bill, you're on. How about next week? You like that? Okay. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Verse 19. Do I look as smart as I feel like I do? Appreciate it. Even better. Verse 19. Sorry, I need these glasses are becoming an idol of vanity. (laughs) Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. Where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. Why do we want to look at this? Because there is probably no other instruction from God that deals with us letting go of our own kingdom more than money. And it really does show where our heart is. If you were to look at Tamara and I's budget, no, not our budget. Don't, that, that wouldn't actually show it. If you looked at our bank account of how we actually spent our money, you would see that our heart is tied to food. We love flavor. I love spice. If I go to a restaurant, I always unscrew the pepper top, not to pull a practical joke on the next person at the table, but because it takes way too long to shake it out, I want it sprinkled on. I have pizza, I take off the top of the crushed red pepper, and I put it on. I put cayenne in my spinach smoothies, okay? I love garlic, I love flavor, I love a good meal, I love food. 
if you looked at our, which I'm not going to give you permission to, but if I did, if you looked at our checking account, you would see that our heart is tied to food. You would also see that I purchase probably more pairs of shoes than I need to on a yearly basis. And it's not because the soles wore out on my previous pair. It's just because my heart just decides I really like those. (laughs) Take, for instance, these beauties that I got on Saturday. I mentioned to Tamar on Thursday. I said, just in passing, that there's a pair of boots I really like. And she said, oh, you should get them sometime. So I took that as liberty. No, it wasn't Saturday. I, the next morning on Friday morning, I drove to Danner 10 minutes after they opened and bought them. So you would see where my heart is in that. If you looked at it, you would really see how we spend our money. And it would, it truly would display our heart, what we value. You would see that I haven't been to the dentist in a long time. Why? I don't value it. (laughs) If you've ever talked to me, you've probably picked up on that. But, but there's, there's truth in it. And so we, but we avoid, I'll tell you this. This is the one topic I don't want to talk about because I don't want to be seen the way that when I was sitting in the seats, the way I would view certain people when they would talk about money. But if I have to be true to My job is to preach the word of God, okay? Our job as Christians is to read the word of God. Our job isn't to pick, I like this verse, but I don't like this verse. I like this commandment of don't kill because I hope no one ever kills me, but you know, a little gray or a little white lie every now and then isn't so bad. We can't pick and choose. And what I know is I want, I want to live a thriving life. I'll be 46 in April, hence the glasses. And what I can tell you through this young life that I've lived thus far is that I am tired of doing things in my own strength. I've done a lot of things in my own strength. I've bulldozed through a ton of things. I've cowarded away from a ton of things because it's based off of, do I feel like I can do it? Can I pull it off? But also as a church, I don't believe we're supposed to just come here and sing a couple songs so we can say we went to church. I believe we're supposed to really open the word of God. We're supposed to be a place where everyone can come and taste and see that God is good. We believe that there's always, why is this table up here and why are these chairs pulled out? Because it looks good. No, because it's symbolic that Jesus always is saying, I want you to come sit with me. We believe that. But we also believe that we're supposed to allow the gospel to come and transform our life. And when we accept the grace that is found in the cross, one of the most amazing responses that you and I have is to is to turn to it and say, God, come and change me, prune me, mold me, shape me. God, come alive in me. I don't want to just be someone that knows about God. I want to know him personally. God, I want to look like you. I want to act like you. And that our church would become radical. 
because we're living the call of God on our life. But it means that we don't push aside certain things. So we're actually going to spend some time talking about tithing over the next couple weeks. It's a great time to take a vacation. No. But here's the deal. The idea isn't. And, and um, ushers. Uh, yeah, let's still do it. Will you guys uh, begin to pass out those cards? We're going to pass out a card. On being radical givers. And there's. Uh, Caleb, will you put up the. Oh, you got it. Look at you, brother. Come on. Yeah, you guys can give Caleb a hand. Doing a great job today. Jude, you're doing a great job with the cameras for those at home, or at least I believe you are. We'll find out later if you didn't. Some questions to consider that are on these cards. Is what portion of your income is God leading you to regularly give? Now, I want to say something, though. Is the purpose of this is not... For you to, on your way out, the ushers are going to have baskets at the door. And will you empty out your wallet and put the money in there? Please hear me on that. Please hear me on that. The idea of this in this prayer. Is that we would, in the same way, we prayed for several weeks about what would God want us to do with our schedules. And how could we start creating space to Sabbath and to find rest and to find delight in our schedule. We are going to go through these things. We're going to look at joy. What is it that God wants us to change about the way we view our lives and the way we view the things we want and it robs us of our joy to find joy. We're going to look at forgiveness. What are the things that we hold on to and we say that person doesn't deserve my forgiveness? And he's saying, "Let it go. Release it to me." So in this the idea isn't for you to empty out your pockets on your way out. The idea is for you to live a long, fruitful, thriving life because we are not picking and choosing what of God's instructions we choose to follow, but we're saying, Lord, I want to follow them all. And I don't want to follow them because a guy told me to. I want to follow them from your leading. So my hope is that you talk to your imaginary friend and you have a conversation, you pray and you begin to open up your heart and say, Lord, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to do? The second one, where is God inviting you to sow into something or someone and give above and beyond what you regularly give? Whether it be offerings, the regular giving would be tithing. Whether it be offerings, care ministry, outreach, extension. What is God asking you to sacrifice, cut back on or give up, not shoes or food, so that you can steward the finances you have been given more wisely? Are we just trying to store things up here or do we really, truly, honestly believe that Jesus's sacrifice wasn't just to take away our feeling of guilt here on earth? But it really was to create a way for us to live in eternity with our father at home. And that you and I were made in a way where we could never satisfy our desires here because we were made for something eternal. We were made for heaven. 
And we can, in our own strength, spend our wheel, just go like crazy trying to satisfy it. But it will actually never truly be quenched, truly be satisfied until we get home. And if we believe that, and we believe that it's all about him, and we truly say his kingdom come, his will be done. And that means we want to do everything we can to see his kingdom move forward. And we trust that he really loves us. I believe that he loves me enough, all joking aside, that he likes me to have a pair of nice boots that I like. He wants me to feel that. I believe he also wants me to go to the dentist. (laughs) And I believe he gave me taste buds to enjoy food and to just enjoy the moment of it. But I also believe he wants my heart to break for people. He wants, he wants me to not just look at how can I move forward in life and how can I build my kingdom, but how can I give of, to see what I have as actually his and how can I give that to further his kingdom, that his kingdom would come in his will would be done.